the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, a winner. It won't be this time. The stories. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See with the Game website, and your host for the See with the Game podcast. Welcome to a special episode of the podcast. I am joined by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we discuss CU's decision to rejoin the Big 12. We address the criticisms of the move, including leaving the AAU-rich, better fit of the Pac-12 for the truck stop conference of the Big 12 and CU's audacity to make the move before the Pac-12 media contracts were even announced. We then respond to the pundits, including Oregon head coach Dan Lanning, who have taken their shots at the buffs as they abandon the ship, which is the floundering SS Pac whatever. We then, armed with at least an outline of what the Pac-12 media contracts will look like going forward, take a look at the future of the two conferences. Did Colorado make the right move? choosing the stability of the Big 12 media deals over what appears to be the Pac-12's streaming-centric deal with Apple+. Plus. Will the Buffs move actually incite a stampede of realignment? How will the CU programs, including its basketball teams, fare in the newly configured Big 12? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back, and soon to be, see you at the game in the Big 12. We're here to talk about the University of Colorado rejoining the Big 12 and all that is going on with the USS Pac-12, which may or may not be about to hit an iceberg. So I am joined from Highlands Ranch by Brad Geiger. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, trying to figure out flights to Manhattan, Kansas, you know, and how we get that all figured out. So uh, it's an exciting time, is it not? Well, I, I mean, you can drive to Manhattan, Kansas. I mean, <laughs> since DIA is in, you know, Western Kansas anyway, it's just, you know, just keep going. And Neil Langland, downtown Denver, enjoying the sights and the sounds of Larimer Square. How's Neil doing today? It's hopping again tonight and uh, just having a nice night downtown, kind of quiet. Weather's not bad for a change. We're not, uh, we don't need our snorkels down here today. <laughs> okay. Well, the University of Colorado is about to get started, is getting started with fall camp under Coach Prime, which, of course, was going to be our main topic of conversation. We're going to talk about the defense 
and position battles and all sorts of fun things with regards to the defensive line and the young secondary. But Rick George kind of preempted us. Um, we thought that someday we would talk about the Pac-12 media contracts. We just didn't think we talked about the Pac-12 media contracts under these circumstances. So come July 1, 2024, the University of Colorado will return to the Big 12. So, uh, Brad, what what was your reaction to the news that Colorado was actually going to abandon ship before a Pac-12 media contract were, um, were announced? I was pretty immediately excited. Of course, this didn't come out of nowhere. It had been speculated for some time. Um, and so I had contemplated it some, um, but it didn't take me long to come to believe that it was the right choice, not without some trepidation, but there are a lot of very good reasons we'll discuss why I think this is where we needed to go. Okay. And Neil, are we uh glass half full, glass half empty? Were you excited by the news of uh, playing Kansas State instead of Oregon State in the, the very near future? Um, to that particular question, uh, no. But I have to say that it is the imperative economically and for survival and for the possibility of preserving a seat at the table later in the uh, in this decade. So I think it's all the right move for that reason. But the aesthetics, well, I'm just not there yet. Okay. Well, looking at all the message boards and all the Twitter accounts that have been going on since Colorado announced its move, it seemed like there are a couple of major arguments about not going. One is the idea that uh, the Big 12 doesn't have an AAU presence. I looked at the list today, and I think there's only one Big 12 school that uh, the current 12 members that uh, are members of the AAU, the American Association of Universities, which, of course, the Big Ten is very excited about having their schools be AAU members. And, of course, Nebraska is the only one that's not. So quick quiz, guys. Which one school in the Big 12 not Oklahoma and Texas, one of the, the 12 schools that are remaining, not named Colorado for the 2024 season as we speak, is an actual member of the AAU and has been for over a century. Ooh, ooh, I know, I know. Okay. Go ahead, Neil, because I got no idea. It's those Jayhawks. That's correct. The University of Kansas is an AAU member. Okay, Neil. There are 10 members in the current makeup of the Pac-12, including UCLA and USC, that are members of the AAU. Only two schools are not. Which two schools in the Pac-12 are not AAU members? Well, I was going to say three, but I think my data is not fresh. It's the state schools of Oregon and Washington. And I thought ASU was part of that, too, but subject to check. Oregon State is not, Washington State is not, but as of 2023, Arizona State is a brand new, newly minted AAU member. So for what it's worth, um, there are 10 schools in the 2023 version of the Pac-12 that are AAU members. So for you guys, Neil, I'll let you go first. Which 
Do you think that matters that uh, we heard 12 years ago when uh, Colorado was leaving for the Pac-12 that it was a much better fit that culturally and academically we would do much better with the Pac-12 than the Midwestern schools of the Big 12? Does it matter that CU is, is an AAU school and is going back to the uh, uh, has been mentioned as truck stop universities of the Big 12? Does it matter to you that uh, we're not being in a conference with a bunch of AAU schools? Well, no, actually it doesn't. From a football only perspective, it doesn't matter at all. The only thing that it might possibly affect athletics or football is the alleged increase in donations that came from the West Coast during our times in the Pac-12. And maybe that might fall now with our migration back to the back, uh, the Big 12. Other than that, uh, I don't see anything. I'd read once in a while that there had been some interesting academic collaborations for CU, but I don't think that matters for football. And I think when, from what I've heard from the deliberations in the CFP room there on that week before the playoff, that no one mentions that. So. I'm going to guess probably not much of a, a factor. Yeah. Well, Brad, you and I, I know we were both watching the Board of Regents meeting on the vote to join the the Big 12, accept the invitation of the Big 12, and there were some political pontifications going on, but it turned out to be, at the end of the day, a unanimous vote to accept the invitation. So uh, apparently not as big of a deal to uh, not be uh, part of an AAU-centric conference in the future? I don't recall that even being specifically mentioned. I think we figured out that what athletic conference we're in has little to nothing to do with what other relationship we have on an academic basis. I think, and especially with two of those schools in the Pac-12 fleeing for the Big Ten already, I don't like I said, I don't think it mattered that much um, during the time we were in the Pac-12, and I don't think it will matter that much now that we're not. We can think we're a better academic school than Oklahoma State or Kansas State and debate that all we want, but I don't think the fact that we play them in football makes any difference in how that discussion gets carried out. Yeah, and to that end, Chancellor Stefano, who apparently will never retire, at the press conference after the region vote, his quote was, the move will have no impact on the academic mission of CU Boulder other than to enhance the exposure. Our influence as an academic leader is worldwide and will always transcend any specific conference. Our faculty will continue to do their collaborative research with other public and private institutions in the Association of American Universities whether those institutions are in the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, or our new conference, the Big 12. So if it doesn't matter to the chancellor, it doesn't matter to the Board of Regents, I guess football fans don't have to read, worry about it either, Neil. So if, if we were a year ago at this time making this switch, I would say that it might matter because of the academic requirements that CU imposed at that time. Now that those restrictions are gone, doesn't matter a bit. Good point. 
Okay. Well, the other objection raised by the message boards is the lesser conference in terms of brand, I guess you'd say, you know, that uh, Oregon and Washington, I guess, are going to be the flagship schools. And of course, don't send me emails. I understand that flagships is not a word. You can only have one flagship, but it's commonly used anymore. So I'll get away with it that, you know, the flagships with UCLA and USC bolting that Oregon and Washington will at least have national standing, whereas the configured, reconfigured pack Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma was kind of leaderless. Brad, what say you to the accusation that we're going to a conference of middling schools with little national cachet? I say that the ratings for the Pac-12 after dark um, pretty much proved <laughs> that to be incorrect. You know, now people were not staying up late to watch Oregon State, Washington State, or CU Cal, to be honest with you. Washington and Oregon may think that that's how they are. Oregon has been more football nationally relevant. Bottom line is, whatever the cachet argument was, it headed east the minute USC and UCLA did. Those are the schools with cachet in the former Pac-12. Those are the schools with the national reputations. Those are the schools with the national championships in various sports. And so, you know, the fact that the Pac-12 wanted us to stay on the fumes of the cachet doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot to me. I kind of like being part of a crowd rather than being treated as something of a little sister, which you know, our success or lack thereof caused that. But I don't I don't see this as us trading down in any way in terms of athletics. And by the way, we also play basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we may not, we're not in a great beach volleyball conference anymore. Lots of people watch Big 12 football. Lots of people watch Big 12 basketball, particularly in March. So I I just, I don't buy that. Yeah, there is not the glowing name, but if Oregon's what you got to hang your hat on along with eight smaller schools, that ain't exactly getting you anywhere either. Well, you know, I am, I am concerned about that in the following way is that what happens to the CU water polo team or the <laughs> CU sailing team or the CU rowing team? I mean, you know, we never really quite got that rolling. And by the way, if CU thinks that we're coming down in the world, I would just have them look at our record since, say, 2005 and see how we're doing. We're no longer a big name in football. We have to reestablish ourselves. So for us to kind of think that we're somehow going to be this name program in the Big 12, it's you got to prove it. And so I think that attitude's wholly unwarranted. Well, I mean, but you are moving up in the world in terms of overall history. Colorado, if there's 13 teams, well, as we speak, there are 13 teams counting Colorado. CU, which was number 15 all time in wins 20 years ago, now number 30, is still number two in the big 13. Only West Virginia has more all time wins. And CU will become one of only three schools in the Big 12 that has both a Heisman and a national championship. 
So throw that out to the class. What other two schools in the Big 12 have a Heisman and a national championship? And the hint is that for both schools, they earned them in the same year. You know, each year that they won the national championship, they also had a Heisman Trophy winner. Any guesses? Uh, TCU? Okay, Sanders did not win a national championship. Yeah, TCU has won. 1938, Davey O'Brien led the Horned Frogs to the national championship. The one's a little more closer in time and had a, a relative co uh, quarterback for the University of Colorado. <laughs> How far back are we going here? Uh, we're going back almost 40 years. A newly minted Big 12 member this year. Yikes. Well, who? okay, Brad, what uh, autographed helmet did you give me as a wedding present as for uh, being part of your wedding party in 1997? Whose autographed helmet did you give me? Was that Coy? Yeah, and his brother yeah. was? Ty. Ty, that murder. I don't remember. I knew that Ty had won the, the, the Heisman. I had forgotten the BYU, BYU won the championship. BYU won the national championship in 1984. So, and, yeah. you know, the Big 12, I mean, you think of the Pac-12 right now with the U.S. 2023, there are four teams out of 12 teams in the Pac-12 that won a national championship. After next year, there will be one. Only Washington. And that was a shared national championship in 1991. That's the only national championship in football that the Pac-12 can brag about. One more stat I want to throw at you just because I love numbers. That uh, There's only one team in the Big 12 out of the other 12 teams that are in that conference this year that she was an all-time losing record against. Any guesses on that one? My hint would be that they're Oh, and one after last year. That might be our friend again. TCU. TCU. She <laughs> was, was 0 and 1 against TCU. Now they're 5 and 5 all time against Texas Tech. Have never played Central Florida and are 1 and 1 with our series in the late two, know, 2008, 2009, somewhere in there against West Virginia um, that split the home and home series. But every other team in the Big 12, Sue has a winning record all time against that. So Going from, you know, the bottom of the barrel of the Pac-12 to, uh, yeah, pretty good shape, historically at least, against the, the newly configured Big 12. So what would you make of Colorado making the announcement before knowing what the Pac-12 media rights deal was going to look like? That was the talk. We now have some idea as we speak now, but when the announcement was made that uh, Colorado was leaving, there was no announcement. They thought maybe that the Pac-12 media day back at the uh, 21st of July, that there'd be some announcement. George Klyavkov said, the longer we wait, the better the deal gets. No announcement was made. There was unity amongst the 10 schools. Everybody went home. And yet before any announcement was way made. And of course, even Rick George said, well, we want to see the numbers before we make any decisions. See you up and left without knowing the numbers, or at least without having any public numbers known. So what do you guys make of that? Did that open up Colorado to some second guessing down the road? Or 
you think that Rick George must have known what was coming and decided to leave, get while the getting was good? Well, I mean, somebody had to be the first person in the first lifeboat off the Titanic, right? <laughs> Women and children first and losing teams. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, I don't know who was running that lifeboat. You have to believe. And this is based on history and Rick George and what he's done and how much he knows. At some point, Rick was reading the writing on the wall. And I don't know how much he was involved in the negotiation. I don't know how much he knew about the negotiation. Bottom line, if there was a good chance that the Pac-12 contract was going to be 39, 40 million a year, we wouldn't have left. Uh, and I think Rick knew that that was never going to happen. Uh, perhaps merely the delay is what kept it, is what told him that, although I suspect there was more inside knowledge. So this was just getting out when the getting's good because do any of us really think that the O's nine school is going to stay in the Pac-12 on the in the Pacific Conference? Well, we, we, we Oregon may talk big and tough right now. We can, yeah, we can speculate about now what we knew, but at the time when the announcement was made, you know, we didn't have any inside knowledge as to what the contracts might look like. Yeah. And you know, John Canzano, who's the apparently taken on the role of Pac-12 apologist, you know, was saying that, you know, these things take a lot of time. And, you know, these nonlinear people are not used to these types of contracts. So, you know, when you talk to them, instead of getting an answer back in a day, they have to spend a week trying to figure stuff out. And that's why it's taking so long. And that's why, you know, there's been no announcement, even though San Diego State was left dangling and, you know, for a few days was an orphan school. So, Neil, I mean, why not wait until there was at least some meeting or the fact that there was now a meeting with George Kalapkop giving some sort of a presentation? Do you think that CU kind of forced their hand that if CU hadn't jumped ship, the meeting that we're going to talk about with the Pac-9 never would, would still be waiting for it? Well, first thing, I think the, the streaming portion of the contract that has been rumored, let me just go there first, is maybe the right answer or part of the right answer, just the wrong time. Uh, maybe eight or 10 years from now, that could be a big deal. But right now, it's still linear TV. And without that as an anchor, if Rick George realized that, I mean, I don't think he could run fast enough out of that room to get something started with the Big 12 or something resumed. Now, with respect to the Big 12 itself, it had set up a bit of a prisoner's dilemma situation, a little game theory here, which is they said, look, we've got a table for two here down in Dallas. And hey, all you Pac-12 folks, we'd sure like to have two of you. Now, the Arizona schools, had they been aggressive, could have nailed down those two spots. Rick George said, I've got to get going because if I don't do this now, I may not have a home come 24, or I may be looking down the barrel of the Mountain West Conference. So I've got to jump now. And he probably knew enough about the contract to say it's not going to work. Plus, he looks at the 
Big 12 over the next, say, two to four years and says there's opportunity here for us to improve and to be a big dog in that conference. We've got some opportunity. So it was a combination of we have to do this in order to survive before someone else beats us to it. And it's also an opportunity revenue-wise and competitively. So from a strategic, economic, from a survival standpoint, all of those things, I think, make sense. And it was an easy decision for Rick. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can't imagine that they didn't have some idea as to what was coming down the pipe, that it wasn't a complete secret as to which direction the negotiations were going, that they wouldn't have bailed if they were, you know, even hints that they were, like you say, you know, there's going to be a better deal coming than what the Big 12 had to offer. Because, yeah, if they came out and said, yes, we've got linear contracts and we're going to give our schools $36.7 million per year, the University of Colorado would look pretty silly making this quantum leap all by themselves and turning around and nobody to follow them and everybody saying, well, that was a pretty stupid move on your part. But now... From what we know, and of course, nothing's been officially announced, but what we're being told, it'd be an Apple TV streaming type of deal. And the carrot apparently is the idea of escalators based on subscriptions was the phrase. So, uh, Brad, you're the the legal eagle. Um, What does that mean to you? Escalators based on subscription. Is this uh, Larry Scott 2 and just telling us that the Pac-12 networks are going to be great? Well, I mean, that's the hope. Here's the thing. I agree with Neil that streaming is going to become a larger and larger share of how college football is presented. The problem is that by signing an all-streaming deal right now, you're betting on a single horse in a really crowded field. And so if you sign, if the Pac-12 signs an exclusively streaming contact, with Apple Plus TV. You're betting, and that your money is then based on an escalator. Yes, you get paid more if you bring in more views. That makes sense. That's not how football's ever been done. But if you can bring in the more views, you get more money. The problem is you only have a chance to get those views with one streamer. And the Pac-12 network is not going to be the number one draw on apple plus if the next season of the morning show or whatever their great tv bombs pac-12 is not going to save it so yes escalator causes sound good i would also remind you that we're dealing with hollywood accounting where trying to figure out how much how many more new subscribers there were how much more money was made is always based on this incredibly opaque accounting program run by the streamers. So there's a lot of trust me on this from Apple Plus. And if that's how you want to budget your athletic department, that's fine. Uh, But I think that's going to be a bit challenging. So there's no way to write that escalator clause tight enough to not be relying on Apple Plus telling you how much you should get. You should never get paid based on the good faith of the person who's paying you. (laughs) Well, Neil, what about the idea of having Ted Lasso coach one of the Pac-12 teams at every home game? You know, that way we get Apple Plus and get a lot of fans there that uh, are missing Ted Lasso already. Or I'll give you this this Washington podcaster I've been watching that was just 
incensed about the idea of Washington and Michigan State, I think it's week two or week three, is going to be streamed on Peacock. And Michael Penix, you know, and his chances of becoming a Heisman Trophy contender and things like that, they were very upset that this was going to be a stream game instead of a linear game because nobody would watch the game. Now they're turning around and saying, well, look, we've got the Washington-Michigan State game on Peacock, so obviously this is the wave of the future. So any way you want to spin this as a positive thing that the University of Colorado could have been a, a streaming giant, or would you rather watch them on ESPN and Fox? Well, I'm going to have to go with door number two, Monty, and take <laughs> ESPN. With the escalator clauses and the lack of, as we don't know now, whether there is a linear anchor to this, it's like trying to fill an inside straight. You know, you're betting on the come. And it's just, it's not a good deal. Colorado really needs a stable income stream. And relying on streaming now, as I said, just too early in the process. Yeah. Not going to work. I think what's going to happen probably now is we might see some some dominoes go um, yeah. with the Big Ten and the Northwest School, yeah. and maybe well, the Big Twelve saying, "Well, you know, maybe we can rearrange the table and take a few more of you." Okay. Well, I think you know the word you mentioned the word stable. I think stability is the watchword for the University of Colorado. I went back and looked at the press conferences right after the announcement. And Stefano, DiStefano said, we determined that joining the Big 12 would provide stability that would best position CU Boulder for long-term success, both athletically and academically. Then Rick George said, there's a number of factors on why we made this transition or, we be make, or why we are going to be making this transition. One of them had to do with stability. We feel strongly moving forward that the stability in the Big 12 will be, give us a platform we need to have success in the future. And then when he's asked about whether or not he knew about the Pac-12 media deal, he said it really came down to, as we looked at this and looked at the stability we could get with the Big 12 and time slots and partners they have in the media arena, this was a significant factor for us as we made this decision. So stability seems to be the, the word of the day um, when it comes to the University of Colorado. Now, instead of... Uh, Folks being excited, Brad, about uh, the University of Colorado, the uh, the kind of haters got to hate. Would you like to talk about Oregon coach Dan Lanning and uh, his comment? I mean, there I'll give you a couple other comments. Apparently, they're all from the state of Oregon, so this is kind of interesting. This was before the, the meeting. One of the members of the PAX-12 CEO group, was quoted as saying that they'd be meeting to discuss the opportunity to, quote, trade up through expansion, given Colorado's decision. In other words, San Diego State would be a trade up from the University of Colorado. And then the, the Oregonian columnist had this really nice backhanded compliment. Got to hand it to Colorado. This is the first time I can remember them outplaying anybody. And then, of course, Oregon coach Dan Lanning, was asked about the University of Colorado leaving the Pac-12 and his direct quote, not a big reaction. I'm trying to remember what they won to affect this conference. And I don't remember. 
Do you remember them winning anything? I don't remember them winning anything. So what is your reaction to Dan Lanning's? Well, one, it's going to be hilarious when Oregon signs up with a new conference in the next <laughs> three weeks. It's childishness. Uh, yeah, Oregon's been a better football team the last 20 years. And we were better the 20 years before that. Googling Oregon football national championships and not finding anything. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. In this brave new world that we've got where everything is literally changing, where everything is literally different, these coaches, these arrogant jerks of coaches are the old school. And this is who they're going to be. And it's not going to work and it's not going to sell. And, you know, I literally, it's, it's a who cares stuff. I'm going to put it on the bulletin board for the Oregon game. Sure. Cause that's one of the things you do to motivate 19 and 20 year olds. Um, but in the end, if Oregon's getting 25 million a year and we're getting 36, he can talk all he wants. Yeah. Well, Neil, what, uh, what do you make of, is this just a young coach that hasn't really got the idea of, uh, Coach speak and just saying, I have no reaction. We're interested in playing our first game. And we have Colorado on the schedule in late September. And we'll talk about Colorado when we get to Colorado. Wouldn't that be the the normal coach speak that you would expect? I mean, he knows that Colorado's on his schedule. It's not like never going to see this guy. Uh, what do you make of Dan Lanning? And what was your reaction to uh, to his quote about see you leaving the, the Big 12 or leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12? Well, my first thought was, as Brad said, it's childish and shows a lack of maturity. Also, as you allude to, Stu, um, this guy evidently did not have a session with Crash Davis to work on his cliches. So um, <laughs> from the perspective of being a good PR guy as a coach, he flunks. And there's just no reason for that sort of stuff. Everyone knows that CU football during the Pac-12 era was just not good at the very best. But to kind of rub that in, I think it is gratuitous. And there may be a little bit of sour grape there, like, wow, now we're Oregon and Washington and, you know, we're the best schools around and we're stuck in this crummy conference with a, a lousy media deal. You know, it just, it's not good for any angle, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you Enjoying know, meeting the best two ballerinas in Cleveland. <laughs> Galveston, if you're going back to match, match clothes. So. But, uh, yeah, I, I like some of the comebacks of, you know, there are going to be more people watching G G5 schools, you know, on linear television than Oregon, you know, that uh, and how it is that the worst Power 5 school has a $31.7 million per year contract guaranteed and Oregon is still – kind of swimming around with the fishes, trying to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. So to each his own, we'll have to play him one more time, and then hopefully we'll be able to talk about other things. I got a text from my son-in-law, an Oregon grad, saying he could finally wear his CU gear again that I made him buy, you know, when, when he came to a game at CU. And, you know, that his next question is, how long is it going to be before Oregon goes to the Big Ten? So let's talk a little bit about what's next. So, Neil, I'll start with you. Would you rather talk about what's going to become of the the Pac-12 or whether what's going to happen with the expansion of the Big 12 or or both? Is uh, Those might go hand in hand. 
Well, if I if I had sort of the the mindset of the Oregon coach, I would take an opportunity to criticize the Pac-12 and things you've just mentioned. But I think this being a high road type of podcast, let's talk about the future of the Big 12. And I'm going to be interested in what the configuration is come July 1 of 24, who's going to be there, and the scheduling, how that's going to work. I'm very interested. And I think with Coach Prime, there's a lot of potential for growth there and a lot of potential for CU to do well. And I'm, I'm thinking that if they add a couple more teams like the Arizona schools, maybe Utah, I can't imagine Utah wanting to stick around if one or both of the Arizona schools flee. So they're going to be looking for a home. You know, I, I think the Big 12 is probably going to grow to be a bigger conference, and that's okay. Uh, I think the migrants from the Pac-12 can really help, I think, build the profile of the Big 12. And I'm hoping that more of them come over. Yeah. Well, Brett, if I understand the what I've read about the contracts that the deals that the Big 12 made when they signed their contract last year was that there were up to two more teams that both ESPN and Fox agreed that they would pay the full freight. So if there were 13 and 14 power five schools that they would also get 31.7. It wouldn't be a dilution of the contract. It would just be an addition to my understanding that for any schools above that for 15 and 16, if they wanted to go that far, that ESPN is bound for their part of the contract to pay the full freight, but Fox would take it on a case-by-case or team-by-team basis. So if the Arizona schools in Utah see the writing on the wall and want to abandon ship, would you think that Fox would say, this is money well spent and we should go to a, a big 16 in the Midwest and include the four corner schools. In this world of increasing need for content, particularly content that is proven to be able to attract eyeballs, I would be very surprised if Fox said, no, we're not going to do that. Understand that I think this is the last round of big, solely linear contracts. I think linear broadcasters are going to really start to question question whether they're not they're making money but the thing is this they're not making money any other way they know that sports football in particular still has a core group that pay attention to linear these are the average oklahoma state football fan is not a cord cutter um the average cu fan is not <laughs> a full-on cord cutter let's be honest all three of us have linear cable <laughs> okay right. so I would be surprised if Fox would worry about that for this contract. What the next contract looks like, nobody knows. But I think if it's those schools, Power Five schools with a proven record, I don't, I don't anticipate a single problem with that. I think that's just two more games. Okay. Well, Neil, either comment on and think of whether or not the Big 12 is going to expand to 16 teams, or if Arizona goes, what becomes of other schools, what's going to happen to Cal and Stanford? What's going to happen to Oregon State and Washington State? Or is Oregon and Washington going to cling on to the pack, whatever, bring in San Diego State, Boise State? 
wait for it, maybe Colorado State to have some semblance of a Power Five conference long enough for them to get a Big Ten invitation at the end of the decade. What's going to happen to the the rest of the Pac-12? How is it going to unfold here? What's your crystal ball tell you? Tough to say. And let me just shade my earlier comments is that from an overall conference perspective, it's better for CU to have more power five schools in there. However, from a competitive standpoint where CU can, I don't want to use the term dominate, but improve and become a player in the national mindset, it should stay at 14. Now to the PAC 12, I cannot imagine how that conference without adding three or four group of five teams is going to be able even to schedule and meet the minimum number of teams to be a division one conference. So they're in a position of weakness and they don't have any good options really to add. So if they go that route, they're going to look like the Volkswagen Beetle I had in school, which had a, it was a red car, but it had a white and a blue door from different. <laughs> very patriotic. A, a hodgepodge jalopy. So it's not going to be a very attractive conference, I think for recruits or for television partners. Yeah. I think that Oregon and Washington and Utah are all clinging to this idea that if they just kind of find a way to conglomerate some sort of a pack something that they have a much easier road to the college football playoff. If they're still a power five conference and they'll still get the invitation to the big 10 down the road. So but if they lose even one more school, now you're down back to the Pac-8, last seen in 1978, and that's seven games against conference opponents. Now you got to have five non-conference games. Where are those games going to come from? You know, and if you lose anybody else, I don't know. And then if you were San Diego State at this point, now you put yourself out there, said we're leaving, we're going to join the Pac-12, we're moving on up. They had to go crawling back. Now, the $17 million was a problem for San Diego State. Now it's $34 million, and you've got a Pac whatever with fewer dollars to work with, regardless of what they think that the subscriptions might be three or four years from now. They're not getting a whole lot of money now, and somebody's going to have to pay that $34 million to the Mountain West. Same thing would happen with Colorado State, Boise State, Fresno State, anybody else that they want to have join for the 2024 season. That's a whole lot of checks to be writing. And maybe at this point, if you're San Diego State, you think, well, maybe I should hang out and wait for a Big 12, Big 16 invitation down the road. That'll be better for my future. And oh, by the way, thanks for nothing, guys. You know, we said we want to join your conference. And you blew us off because you couldn't get your crap together. And now you've got me, a, you know, giving us a $34 million problem. And you want us to not only be on the Titanic, you want us to jump on the Titanic while it's sinking. If you're a power, I mean, other, other than the, you know, delusional fans at Colorado State, what G5 Mountain West School would actually want to join the PAC, whatever, at this point? You can see Fresno State wanting to move up 
Um, if that's your idea of trading up, good. I don't know who else. I mean, it's just, it, again, the problem, of course, being the G5 contract are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. But any, it, it's kind of like any team that's willing to join the pack, whatever at this point is probably not the team you want. You know, and I have no idea what went on with San Diego State. I have no idea why they thought they had an offer in the works. I have no idea why they thought they had to mention that, uh, how they got burned one way or the other. That felt like kind of a being left at the altar kind of thing, except I'm not sure there was ever a groom. Um, so <laughs> that was that. I, I still haven't figured out how all of that went down. So we shall see. I, Yes. Will they be willing? Will there's some G5 team be willing to join the pack? Yeah. Again, I think Fresno State's probably a given, but you know, it's uh, if Stanford looked down on the academics at CU, what are they going to think about Fresno State? Yeah. I mean, that was the, the whole thing about Boise State for a long time is that they right. were a national program, had a national following, national ranking. And yet, since it wasn't an AA school that just the academics was just a, a you know a hard no, and yeah. now they might be Washington State and Oregon State's best friends. If you're in Corvallis or Pullman tonight, Neil, what uh, what sort of rabbit do you think you're trying to pull out of your hat if you're trying to survive as a Power Five school in Corvallis or Pullman or well, Berkeley thinking, or Palo Alto, for that matter? Well, I was thinking about. Those two schools plus Cal, the latter, along within the last three or five years, spending $300 million to reboot their stadium and to rebuild their athletic facilities and did it all on debt, or most of it on debt. They've got to be sweating bullets because the UCAL system probably is not going to be real eager to pay off that debt. Similarly, OSU and WSU have spent big on stadium expansion and facilities improvement, counting on, you know, 30 plus million a year to help service that debt. They, yeah. They're in big trouble. And I think they're going to be desperate to have the conference survive and to have some revenue stream that exceeds that of the Mountain West. So there's going to be a strong drive from those schools, probably Stanford too, although they just have to reach into the couch to pull out any any money they need. <laughs> yeah, they're several billion dollar endowment. But again, Stanford was going to cut some you know minor sports before there was a to do about them doing that. But yeah, the the old you know the real irony would be as if you know Stanford and Notre Dame decided all of a sudden they wanted to join the Big Ten and left Oregon and Washington to you know spend their time traveling to Fresno State and San Jose State for the rest of time, but. One last thing I want to touch on before we go is uh, basketball. And you, you you hinted at a little bit, Brad, about, you know, the impact that it's not just football. We got the other sports. And it seems like the pack, the Big 12 commissioner, you know, Brett Yormark is kind of looking at creating a super basketball conference that even if the football is kind of, Third, well, I mean, third in terms of Big Ten, SEC, and then hopefully to have the the third best conference in football. That if you're the number one basketball conference in the NCAA, you're not going away. Is that perhaps one of the strategies? And how do you think it's going to affect uh, Tad Boyle and his Buffs? 
Well, I, I, one, I think that basketball, uh, particularly men's basketball, although more women's too, is clearly part of this deal. Um, there are some traditionally excellent basketball programs now in the Big 12. You know, Houston in particular, Cincinnati's had good teams, Texas Tech in the past, although who knows what's going on there. Um, yeah, it's going to be harder for Tad Boyle. I'm sure he was not exactly excited about the change in performance because um, he was looking forward to not having to play UCLA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's part of it. And, and media deals are for all the sports. If you can't be the SEC, if you can't be the Big Ten in football, and, and bottom line is we've got a big two and then other folks, then putting your money on basketball is not the worst decision you can make. Yeah, Big 12 basketball tournament is going to be a real interesting deal. Um, and Tad's going to have to keep recruiting those people. Uh, we got more, one more run at the Pac-12 this year, and then we'll see how it goes. But I think it's, again, what we're looking for is a stable conference that has a way to continue to make money off sports. Basketball doesn't drive the bus, but it sure puts some gas in it. <laughs> okay. Well, Neil, you know, Tad Boyle said the basketball job at Colorado got harder, but it got better. And is it better to, you know, you could be a 19 and 11 record in the big 12 and be one of the eight or nine teams that get into the big dance as opposed to being a 22 win team in the Pac-12 and hoping to be on the bubble. And, oh, by the way, you know, Pac-12 after dark, not only is CU playing Kansas, but CU is playing Kansas at an hour where people on the East Coast are actually going to be able to watch the freaking game. So more losses, you know, because there's tougher competition, but uh, kind of the opposite of the football. With football, there's a chance to – move up from terrible to mediocre right away. The basketball team faces a stiffer, stiffer climb to be good in the, in the reconstructed big 12. I think it's going to be positive. And I, I am confident that Tad Boyle uh, this next year is going to use it wisely because his roster was recruited to play Pac-12 style basketball, which is a little different than the Big 12, at least as I remember it, and I haven't followed it closely the last few years, but they probably have very speedy teams, but they also have some big bodies down low, and I think that CU is, is going to need to adapt to that physical style of play, and that, that means Tad's going to have to adjust his recruiting and his work in the transfer portal. But overall, I think Boyle's going to do fine there. And so I think we're fine with him. Um, I want to reserve just a minute at the end to make an overall comment about moving to the Big 12, which is finally, after all these years in the Pac-12 and just cringing at the incompetent, continuous mismanagement who enabled that mismanagement, I'm hoping that getting to the Big 12 with a commissioner that seems to know what he is doing is going to be a big help to see you. Yeah, Brad nodding along. And I just, uh, one thing I didn't, I want to, I'll have you comment on that, but also want to just have you squash one last thing that was on my list. The idea that Coach Prime wanting to recruit in, California, in Texas and Florida was the 
driving force behind the University of Colorado moving to the Big 12 and Coach Prime dictated and he's going to make everybody look stupid when he leaves in two years. So please tell us that, you know, Coach Prime was not making the generational decision of moving to the uh, the Big 12 and then follow up on what Neil had to say. Fundamentally a ridiculous idea. Phil Stefano had to sign off on this, okay? I, I'm impressed that Phil can identify Coach Prime three times out of four. No, I mean, that's... That's just not how this happened. That's not how Rick George thinks. That's not how Phil Stefano thinks. Not how the president thinks. That's not how the Board of Regents thinks. Those are not, that's not what happened. And if you think that's what happened, you also think that Congress proved that aliens exist in hearings last week. That's <laughs> not what happened. Um, and first of all, Neil is 175% right. The PAC-12 is dying of mismanagement. It is dying of arrogance. It is dying of bad hiring. It is dying of the fact that Larry Scott should still be hanging in a gibbet somewhere. Um, look it up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this just, is a highbrow production. You know, it just—it's terrible. They just the the, the Pac-12 network, the flaws in that, all of that stuff—it just failed. And yeah, you can talk about. You, you will see people talk about see you scurrying back to the Big 12. Well, we left the Big 12 for many reasons, including the fact that Texas was trying to act like the big gun, and they're gone. But we are leaving a failing conference. The Pac-12 and the Big 12 last year, or, the, or two years ago, Pac-12 and the Big 12 were equivalent conferences. The Pac-12 was probably a little bit stronger. And one of them did something about it, and one of them did not. And we are very fortunate the one that did something about us would like about it would like us to join them. Because, you know, I don't know if Kliakoff knows anything or not. He was sold, you know, he, he bought a used car that it turned out was not just a lemon, but had been run into a building. He should have checked the car facts. But it's <laughs> no, we are fleeing a seeking ship, and that's just the bottom line. Neil's 100 percent right. He was driven right into that iceberg. Yeah. Well, thanks be to Rick George and to whatever extent, Phil DiStefano, that the University of Colorado is not going to be part of the Mountain West East Conference in the future, playing Colorado State on a regular basis and then flying off to play Boise State and then, you know, Oregon State and Washington State being the uh, flagship schools of the remnants of whatever conference they want to call it. So, uh, we've gone long, but this was an important topic. So thank you, gentlemen. We will actually get back to talking football in the very near future. Fall camp is open, and the University of Colorado is on its way to getting ready for its September 2nd a game in uh, Fort Worth against TCU. So thank you, gentlemen. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. Go Buffs. Go Buffs. Thank you both for listening to the podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation, which has become the talk of the nation once again. I hope you're subscribing to the podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be a part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. 
Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See You at the Game website. I'll be back next week with Neil and Brad, and we'll conclude our fall camp preview with a look at CU's defensive and special teams rosters. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.